Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Pixel Sift. I'm your host, Blanca from Street Fighter, and I'm joined in the studio by not only my co-hosts, Mitch and Scott. Hey, Blanca. <laughs> Happy to be here. I'll fight you later. Yeah. But we're also joined by local video game developer, Michael DiPiazzi. Thank you for joining us, Michael. No worries. Good to be here. Uh, Michael's going to be talking to us all about his game Final Days a little bit later in the show, but we'll also be talking about some of the recent headlines, won't we, Scott? Uh, yes, um, we'll be talking about uh, Predator DLC, how some devs aim to get consumers stuck in the DLC trap. And on our final topic, we'll be looking at the recent controversy surrounding Oculus Rift founder Palmer Lucky. That's right, he's been co- copying a little bit of... Uh a little bit of flack, but uh, before we... What's do- it like to have two last names? Who knows? We'll have to ask him. <laughs> we'll get him on the line. <laughs> Give him a call. Yeah. Before that, though, we might jump into the shipping news with Brian Fairbanks. My name is Brian Fairbanks, and this is the shipping news. Kalgoorlie-based studio Outback Pixels just released a substantial update to their game Thwart Geo, adding multiplayer features, additional game modes, and difficulty scaling as suggested by fans of the game. Lastly, they removed ads, made the game complete and free, with one in-app purchase called Thwart Supporter. We spoke with Jez and Kim back in episode 31. Check it out for some more background information about the game. Good news for Australian game culture, two new co-working spaces designed for game development have opened in two different Australian states. Game Plus has launched on the 14th of September in Watson, Canberra to cater to and unite the growing game development community. Game Plus has been built to enhance collaboration and innovation among specialist technology startups and game developers in the area, as well as to enhance communications and the relationship between government and the local game industry. Enterprise Hobart was launched on the 22nd of September as a startup accelerator program supported largely by the Tasmanian state government to further the development of the local growing game community. It consists of two co-working spaces based in Hobart and Launceston. Jason Imms, founder of TasGDS and former guest on the show, will be community manager of Enterprise Hobart. One of the studio's giant margarita is releasing Party Golf on the PS4 on October 4th, which is the first Tasmanian title released on a major console system. Melbourne-based studio Hipster Whale, makers of the extremely popular Crossy Road, probably aren't shocked with clones of their game. However, this week a blatant ripoff, Crossy Road 2, appeared on the Apple App Store with stolen screenshots and an incomplete, flappy bird-like game that is chock full of ads. While this is common in any market system, criticism has been leveled at Apple about approval of games like this. Without approval, games cannot appear on the store at all. David Price of popular Apple blog and news site Macworld laments that Apple's quality control system is lacking, especially with the Apple Store adding over 1,000 new apps each month, articulating that a report clone button on each app would help. He says it's up to the users to enact change and hold the companies in control of these stores to a much higher level and, of course, to support the makers of the original games financially and through social media. Ripoffs and clones only survive because people are downloading them and being fooled, he says. The game is rated 4+, yet some of the ads are inappropriate for younger gamers, and one of the risks is that people may mistake this clone for a real product. Interestingly, this Crossy Road clone has over 300 reviews with an average of 4.5 stars, which makes it difficult for people to tell the difference between a real and a fake at casual glance. While it's inevitable that this game and other clones will disappear, 
year, questions need to be asked about how this can happen again and again. Pixel Sift. <laughs> Pixel Sift. No, seriously, Pixel Sift. <laughs> no, seriously. Pixel Sift. So DLC for video games is nothing new. From horse armor to full-blown campaigns, there's nothing that devs really can't add on top of their games um, that shipped. Uh, but what happens when companies begin to take advantage of gamers' demand for new content, charging large amounts for and locking much of the game's features behind a paywall? That is a good question. <laughs> I think inherently that adding stuff into a game is, is not a bad thing. Um, no, for a lot so of people, either. you know, games would stop as soon as they had been shipped and we've talked about this in previous episodes of course that you know the internet allows you to add more things into games um, previously if it was like a playstation one game you couldn't do it you just have to sell a sequel if you wanted to and you can also fix problems and you can fix problems so i think this is a you know it's a good thing and it also allows for different types of games to exist for example maybe uh you know michael's game uh, would it be as easy for you to get up on to the store and sell it if uh you know if you didn't have internet distribution Oh, hell no. No. Definitely it, not. Yeah, exactly right. So, you know, there, there is a, a value in this, but one of the, what we're kind of looking at today is when there's a sort of an ongoing repetitive sort of purchase cycle that kind of exists um, where the gameplay itself sort of incentivizes or strongly encourages purchasing more DLC on an ongoing basis. So we're not referring to, like, say, like a subscription subscription model, like, for example, WoW. We're, we're for, what are we referring to when we when we talk about predatory DLC? So these are games that are mostly going to be considered freemium or sometimes they're called free-to-play. Um, these are games that, uh, you know, are sold as something that you don't have to initially pay anything to start for. Um, but there are games that are quite quickly gated off into different areas where there is... It's basically a yeah, the kind of game where you can survive by just having the basic, you know, sixty dollars version or whatever. But you're going to be extremely limited in how much you can like play with other players. You know, it's just experience game to its fullest. I think well, mainly the big one that you were going to bring up, Johnny, was League of Legends, wasn't it? Like the like League of Legends is a really interesting. Please with that. Yeah, so League of Legends is a really interesting example in that it is a it's one of the biggest free to play games in the world, one of the most popular, has a huge following online. All you need to do is jump on on Twitch and have a look, and it's always at the top. There's people playing it all the time, professionals, tournaments, everything like that. They have a really interesting system in which they uh, get people to kind of contribute to the cost of making the game. It's going to be an expensive game to make, so they have all these different levels of of earning things. So it would be very similar to games you might have played. So um, uh, Overwatch, for example, mm -hmm. um, has a similar system to this in which you can uh, earn in-game currency and then use that to, to purchase things. Um, but they've got a system here which has a... It's kind of like more of a gambling element to it than many other games. They have this system that they created earlier on called... Uh, it's called Hex Crafting. Um, and... Hex Tech Crafting, sorry. Um, and basically you get... Uh, drops, very similar to Overwatch, you get a chest or similar to Team Fortress 2 where you get a key um, and you have to put those chests and keys together and you unlock things as part of that. Now you can earn a certain amount of those chests per month or you can buy more. Right. So there's a limit of four. So it's basically one a week. But this is just like cosmetic stuff you get. Mm. Cosmetic right? stuff. This is yeah. skins and sometimes you can get characters and things like that. But I think it's mostly skins. <laughs> right. Um, and But as part of that you can earn a segment of a chest 
or okay. a segment of a key. So instead of having a key which would drop at a random thing, say, for example, in Team Fortress 2, uh, you can earn a portion of that. So you can then build those up depending on the way that you play the game, which can then be converted into a key, which can then be converted with a chest into an item in game and there's other options as well where these sometimes the items that you get out of these chests are not even a full skin as well they have these things called shards which you can use to uh, basically combine three different shards together to make a skin so is this like maybe bringing in an MMO kind of aspect yeah the thing about it that the main criticism of this particular aspect or this particular scheme is that it is very difficult for anyone to actually play the game without spending any money if you want to get everything in it they incentivize doing all these sorts of things but it will take you literally forever like something to in the the realm of 10,000 20,000 hours to ever earn anything correctly basically so I guess like it's it's one of those two currency games isn't it like it is there's money that you pay and then there's money that you convert into poker chips effectively like a in-game sort of currency as well so i think that kind of behavior is really kind of um the 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 problem i have with it is it's preying on specific types of gamers like you know a a specific part of the market is always going to be paying for this dlc you know at a large proportion of it so you're going to be the people uh, the latecomers to the games and just like your ocd kind of players that really just need to complete everything you know they're going to be the ones that are paying for this so like i said it's, it's a really small and an important part of their market that are going to be unfairly paying for this kind of um, you know push. It's, it's really interesting if you look at some. I'm just got the uh, Apple App Store open at the moment, and there's this sort of con- you have to go and convert your money into to chips, very much like you would. It's gambling. In a casino. Yeah. And the top, like, 20 games, there's quite a few actual casino games in there, but they aren't. there's no way to get your money out. Well, the, so all you do is you're putting your money into it. The problem I have with this and why is it, it's so exploitative is because it is like gambling. You're going to put, especially for the ones where, and this isn't with all of them, but the ones where you're going to buy a pack or something and you're not guaranteed anything. You, you're guaranteed you get this pack, but you don't know what's in that. You yeah. might get nothing. You might get some skins and some faff that you don't really want to spend that kind of right. money on. All right, so how would you, like, it? so I buy, like, I bought a couple of loot boxes in Overwatch, for example. Is this on the same level as that, do you think? Well, I don't know. What did you get in your well, loot boxes? Well, because in your cause... loot box, you get one individual item, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe they're not items that you want. They're lesser level items as well. But that's an item that's full. It's not an item that will only be a portion of an okay. item that you'll need to combine with other bits well, and pieces. Four things pop up in a loot box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, right. And, like, usually yep. it's crap, you know? But, uh, you know, that's the thing. I think there's a there's a difficulty, especially with these sort of games of splitting up the way that you reward people this reward uh, like risk reward cycle is an important part of game design Um, and this is another sub game that you play in sort of the game of that but you know if you incentivize that too much then so let's compare let's compare it now to let's say buying Magic the Gathering cards for example similar it's card card games are a perfect example of another similar system where yeah there's this random element to it you are kind of putting it in there it's some of that's the thrill of the chase but but that's where your money from the game's going you haven't already spent like a hundred dollars for the actual game the cards are the game right and you have a card in your hand at the end and you could sell those cards in the end as well these are all digital items that you can't sell on this kind of DLC tactics are not going anywhere Uh, last year EA had like a roughly 2.2 2.2 billion dollar revenue I think almost over no, over 900 million dollars of that came from DLC and extra content wow so big money know, so this is not changing if anything this is going to only become bigger and more prominent and I think as people start getting older and more mature and uh, are able to, to think about these things we might see some different policies but Possibly. who knows because there's always the next generation of customers coming through let's uh, jump into our next topic 
You're listening to Pixelsift. Or you might be watching Pixelsift on Twitch. Pixelsift. Now we're still joined in the studio by Michael DiPiazzi. He is developing a game called Final Days. Uh, Michael comes from Plus 7 Software, uh, based here in Western Australia. Now... It reminds me of the old school GTA oh, yeah. with the top-down uh, world exploration. Uh, but this, instead of stealing cars and uh, robbing banks, and well, could you could you rob banks in the second one? I don't. Yeah, I, I remember robbing a oh, bank. In the second one, maybe. I, I haven't played that for years, but the first one, definitely not. Yeah, um, you're got, you're fighting your way through your final days. Yeah, pretty much. Now, can you tell me a little bit about what your game is um, sure. and uh, how it kind of came about? Um, well, I guess uh, Final Days is an, an, an intense multiplayer shooter um, online. Uh, th- the basic premise is, um, I guess, Dirty Warfare has mutated most of humanity um, and turned them all into bloodthirsty, crazy mutants. And now you've got to band together with what remains of humanity and battle for your survival and you're not going to sit down and have a poetry uh you know night and no. cross cross the barriers between mutant and human and uh there's a there will be blood as they say yes yes lots of it so it's kind of like a, it's for people who might know it's sort of a twin sticks shooter style of game yep um and you can play multiplayer uh with uh, up to four players is it locally um you can play with up to four players locally and 16 players over a network and it, when you're playing 16 players as a network, is it 16 players together or are you individually competing in your team of four? Um, 16 players together. Wow. I am, nice. think, I am thinking of adding more game modes to have more team-based stuff and that kind of thing. But um, for now, it's sort of everyone's all in it together. So you've done some pretty significant testing for this game. Uh, I think we originally talked to you uh, when at the uh, Global Game Jam yes, back in right. March this mm-hmm. year, uh, March, April this year. So you've been working on it since then. You've taken to several play-ups and stuff. What are some of the things that you've learned from people playing your game? Um, I've learned quite a lot. Uh, the, the play-ups in particular have been great for feedback. Um, uh, some of the best changes I've actually made have been from player feedback. Um, uh, actually, at the last play-up, Oscar Britton sat there and talked to me for like about an hour and gave me all these tips to make the game feel a lot better, um, which was fantastic. Well, he knows he's top-down, that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I guess the biggest feedback I've got is, um, I guess, more in regards to the single-player experience because it's great fun multiplayer, but... Um, if you're playing by yourself, it can be a little bit boring at the moment. So these are some of the things I'm looking into doing, like adding more game modes in that, um, say, like a challenge mode where you have to b- complete a particular challenge, like kill three zombies with one bullet or something like that. Mm. Um, so it's kind of like a bit more of a puzzle and you've got something to do apart from playing just killing zombies with other people. Is it supposed to be ideally played, though, with four people right next to you? Is that the best way to play it? Definitely. It's it, The main focus is as a multiplayer game, but um, as a small indie dev, I also appreciate the fact that for a multiplayer game to be successful, you need players. And if someone starts playing the game and there's no players, they're not going to stick around. So 
I need something else there to sort of keep people interested maybe while they wait for someone else to come online and play a game with them. That's something we've heard uh, from a lot of different people that kind of building that community there uh, is something very important for the longevity of your game and, you know, to even kind of get it out of the blocks as well. So you said that you're going to try and make sure that you've got people there to do that. What are some of the things you're thinking about doing in terms of uh, getting people to to jump on and, and play with their mates? Um, well... I'm launching my early access on Monday. Um, one of my main motivations for that is to actually try and build more of a community and start engaging more people, um, get people who are interested on board, um, and then hopefully I'll, I'll start organising regular play sessions, that kind of thing. So at least then there's um, sort of scheduled times where people can get online and, and join in on big sessions. Um, I'm also working with a another local developer, um, Scott Kevill, um, on doing Game Ranger support. I don't know if you've heard of Game Ranger. No. What well, could you explain that for us? Um, Game Ranger is basically a multiplayer service, um, similar to, um, I guess, things like GameSpy, which is no longer around. But it focuses more on supporting multiplayer for older games, which um, you know, multiplayer sort of died, and the official servers and stuff are all gone but through Game Ranger, you're still able to play multiplayer with your friends online. Uh, it's got quite a few um, people using it. I don't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but it's it's quite a lot. Um, so I'm kind of hoping that maybe that could be another avenue, like another community um, where I could get um, more players. I think it's interesting to think about that sort of stuff early on in the piece as well before the game comes out. I mean, it's coming out next week, but uh, in early access, but having the idea of where this can go into the future as well is an uh, interesting sort of thing. I remember playing many games where the servers had been shut down and using a, a VPN tunnel um, yeah. to play local local matches against people on at other people's houses and yeah. things like that. So, um, it, as, you, as Gianni said, we came across your path uh, at the Global Game Jam in March, but you were um, first seen about Perth Game Fest last year um, with the game. So uh, over the last 12 months, how has the game uh, changed and developed from the idea that it was? Um, that's a good question. Um, time seems to go so quickly, so it doesn't really feel like a year for me. But yeah. I guess the, the main things I've been focusing on since the last PGF was my Steam Greenlight campaign, uh, getting a good trailer done, um, getting my first public demo out, um, applying a lot of polish to the game, improving the lighting, the visual effects. Um, I, th I think a lot of people have commented like how how much better the game looks to uh, last year. It was something actually I got a lot of feedback on. A few people said, love the game, but the visuals might sort of put a few people off. Okay. Um, so I've tried to sort of uh, put a lot more polish on it. Um, I'm, I'm hoping it, it looks cool now. Well, you're going to have a, uh, a big crowd of people down there at yep. the Perth Games Fest uh, this weekend. Uh, if you're in Western Australia, you can check it out. You can come listen to us. We're going to have a live episode as well. There's going to be plenty of great Western Australian developers. Uh, Michael, stick around. Uh, we'll cool. uh, keep chatting to you about this. Uh, we'll have a bit of the play of the game after the episode as well so you can jump on our Twitch channel or watch again on YouTube so right now though let's jump into our next topic So by now we should have all definitely heard of and hopefully even experienced some VR. 
One of the main products to bring us into this commercially futuristic form of tech was the Oculus Rift, designed and created by the company's founder, Palmer Lucky. Another thing we're all probably aware of is the upcoming Trump versus Clinton, basically, American presidential elections. Well, Lucky's been making some waves the world over this past week as it has come out that he's been involved with and had been funding Trump via some anti-Clinton Reddit-fueled meme tirades. The whole thing has become this massive and frankly quite confusing um, matter. So our final topic for today will be attempting to shed some light on this matter. So, so what happened? What did uh, old, old Palmer do? Look, it's a little bit um, up in the air, to be honest. Uh uh, basically, it all comes from this Daily Beast article um, where they had said that um, Lucky had uh, had basically told them told them that under the name of Nimble Richman, he'd been um, f- you know pushing forth these, like I said, uh, negative uh, Clinton memes. There's a subreddit called the Donald, yes, um, where this sort of stuff tends to accumulate, hmm. um, and there was a I guess a, a push from him to to put into supporting uh, Trump. Now, Trump is copying a lot of uh, criticism, uh, I guess. So is Hillary, of course. Um, But importantly for this is this company is, uh, you know, Palmer Lucky is seen as the person in VR. Now, the confusing side of this is that if we just go off the original Daily Beast article, it all seems to be very fairly factual and like matter of fact. And he, they've been even been told this. I actually can't remember. Uh, I haven't got the article writer's the author's name with me at the moment. But he's posted up email conversations with uh, with um, Lucky, claiming to be you know saying all these things. But now he's come out and said that um, he did contribute money to this company, which is called Nimble America. Um, and, but that's all he did. He never posted. He never did anything, blah, 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 blah. So he supports there, but the rest of it is hearsay, basically. There's lots of lobbying groups that kind of exist within this sort of weird, shady, underground level. and It's all very shady. And online, the dig, the worse it gets. Online um, campaigning and, and counter-campaigning and uh, research and all this sort of stuff is a huge aspect of presidential elections and Absolutely. I guess even elections here in Australia now as well so I mean them putting their support or lack of support into Reddit is a it's a quite a big community and quite an important community for them as far as their um, lacking access goes through in their usual routes you know they're not going to access the people that they want to do through their commercial kind of if I want to bring entities. it back to if I want to bring it back to gaming for a minute mm-hmm. please do. <laughs> um, <laughs> how dare you it seems that a lot of this um, is politics sift. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, go on. It seems that a lot of um, VR developers have now pulled support for Oculus oh. as yep. a result of this. Yeah. So I've got Screwed Games um, who have said until Palmer Lucky steps down from his position at Oculus, we'll be can- cancelling Oculus support for our games. They also said it's not about politics; it's about the face of a company financially backing racist trolls. He is free to, v- to vote for whoever he pleases. I don't see that's there's interesting so people have said that the company is not Palmer Lucky which is true but but he like they said he's the face of it yeah he's when you think of Oculus Rift you also think Palmer Lucky because he like he soldiered it he, he did it on his own yeah well this guy's no stranger to drama I mean when he sold to Facebook that was like that yeah of and course and now Xerox is still after him Facebook <laughs> is a um, 
as a parent company as well has actually had some uh, some of the board members uh, who have funded fun- things like this as well uh, mm-hmm. as part of this. Uh, I can't remember the name now. This just blanked it on me. More but, yeah. confusion to it because Zuckerberg's come out and slammed Trump a bunch of times in the last couple of months. Yeah. Like so, the mixture of kind of um, presidential choices in their stable is unsettling. And conf- yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's going to go somewhere. But um, it's not just Screw to Games, Screw to Games as well. It's uh, Tomorrow Today Labs. They posted it saying, Hey, Oculus, Palmer Lucky's actions are unacceptable. Newton VR, which is their game, uh, will, uh, uh, which is their thing, it will not be supporting the Oculus Touch as long as he is employed there. Peter Thiel is the Facebook executive who nice. has uh, supported uh, Donald Trump as well, parent company of Oculus. Now, our pal John Kane uh, developing okay. the game... Killing Time at light speed mm. uh, came out this week and said that he would uh, not be supporting the Oculus for his upcoming 2D puzzle game, Mallow nice. Drops. Um, got picked up by some of the press around the world, uh, <laughs> and uh, he said it was obviously a joke. It's a, it's not a not a, a VR lull. game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then people said, actually, if you want to port it to VR, we could we could make it happen. So who knows? Check this space because we might see uh, an update for for Mallow Drops on this. Michael, would that influence you? Like, if a company was to let's say offer you like some like if you were to work with a company, well, let's that... say you were making a VR game at the moment, and maybe maybe and they, they said were... something that you didn't didn't agree with. It got oh, up your so goat. It doesn't have to be this topic. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because mm. um, it's it's business versus personal, personal opinions. Yeah, exactly. Where do you draw the line, though? Um, I mean, the guy the guy sounds like it sounds like some shady things have happened, and it sounds like he's been a bit irresponsible, um, and he's copying some backlash for it now. Uh, it's hard for me to say whether I would react the same way. Mm. At the end of the day, people are entitled to their own opinions. What if uh, Palmer Lucky was out there supporting uh, an anti-top-down zombie shooter game? <laughs> the group uh, slandering memes on. <laughs> He's entitled to his opinion. I can't change his That's mind. That's very diplomatic of you there. Try to bait you out wait, there. Wait till he finds <laughs> out that this podcast is sponsored by Pauline Hanson. <laughs> yeah. Look, no, love, it isn't. <laughs> I love everyone having their opinion, and I think that is a really fair comment to make mm. because yes, everyone is entitled to their opinion. You can't tell people what to do or say or blah blah blah. But on the flip side, shit posting. <laughs> offers nothing to online discussion. Agreed. If anything, or actually, all it does is squash and hinder it. And that's what he's not only put his name forward to, but he's put his money into it, which is basically any Oculus Rift, any person that owns an Oculus Rift has, you know, can feel that their money went towards that and feel bad about that. I would. Yeah. This sort of thing doesn't make the internet a better place. It kind of no, makes he, it a, from, a worse place where people get victimized and from, upset. And from a young 20s uh, tech dude like that, who yeah. a lot of people probably look up to in similar positions, it's a bad move, man. Bad yeah. move. Look, one of the big things that people have said about this is that Oculus isn't Palmer Lucky. Of course. There are lots of people who are working there who uh, believe very passionately, who work very hard, may not have these particular beliefs. Um, so being hasty and pulling your support for their, for their platform might have a bigger effect than what you think Plus, but you know this is this is the way that this uh, system works you know there is a feedback system to your actions and if people disagree with your actions they're entitled to to boycott their thing it's one of the market uh, mechanisms that we have mechanisms 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 uh, the mechanisms of my mouth aren't working uh, which is lucky because we've actually reached the end of the episode so we've run out of time oh so lucky yeah very lucky Palmer <laughs> lucky that we've reached the end of this episode 
Michael, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us today on this episode of Pixel Sift. We're going to be very excited to uh, play your game at Perth mm-hmm. Games Fest. Um, play it a bit later on 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 Twitch as well. Um, for everyone else who's joining us, you can jump onto our website, which is www.pixelsift.com.au. Up there, we'll have links to the show. You can download uh, the demo still. We'll, yeah, yeah. Yep. Demo of um, Final Days. Uh, and you can see where it will be on Early Access on Steam come next week. Scott, we have social media, do we not? Yes, we do. If you are social media friendly, facebook.com forward slash pixel sift, twitter.com forward slash pixel sift, twitch.tv forward slash pixel sift, and youtube.com forward slash pixel sift au. And we're asking at the moment, if you've got any questions for us, we're having a live Q&A session at uh, Perth Games Fest. So send us your questions. It can be about anything in particular. You want to know about your star sign, your horoscope for the day. Yeah. But maybe if you want to know about podcasting or games I'll or, be reading palms yeah, <laughs> Mitch will be reading palms he'll have his uh, tea leaves ready to go yep um, in your tea leaves Mitch have you found the path to uh, past which will lead into our future and by that our older episodes no not in the tea leaves but there is there are links in the RSS there are RSS links on our page and you can also find them in the tea leaves that is iTunes or Pocket Casts or any other good podcast player brilliant yeah that works we will see you guys on episode 50 at Perth Games Fest Uh, hope to see you there I'm gonna go burn some tea leaves peace out see you later